Hey, so are there any uh, Miami Hurricane fans here today? Or anybody who would admit they're a Miami Hurricane fan? Can I see your hand real quick? You're, uh, Chuck, you're a Miami Hurricane. Who did they play last night, Chuck? Does anybody know who did they play? Uh, Scott, was it Georgia Tech that they played? All right, yeah. Uh, I know you're a Miami Hurricane fan, right? Oh, no, no. You're Florida State, big time. And there's loyalty and all that. But, man, I'm always rooting for the Florida teams, but... As I'm looking at the news this morning, oh my goodness, Miami Hurricanes, God had them do something last night that would go specifically for this message. And uh, so for those of you that didn't see the highlights, what happened is Miami was up. They were winning the game. There was only like less than two minutes, a minute 24, something like that left on the clock. All Miami Hurricanes had to do was take the snap and take a knee and they could have won. Okay, that's it. Isn't that what most teams do? They take the snap, they take the knee, they could have run out the clock. Uh, it was statistically proven that's what they could have. But instead, they went in shotgun form, down, set, up, whatever they do, Omaha, Nebraska, whatever they say, I don't even know, dude. And, and they, they grabbed, they got the ball, handed it to a running back. The running back ran for a few yards, got tackled, and on a controversial call, they called a fumble, and Georgia Tech recovered with a little less than a minute left and then georgia tech went and scored a touchdown uh, huh two plays they scored it oh, you want to elaborate on it. you're happy look at this guy's face man now florida state's the only undefeated team in florida college football right now and he's pretty happy about that but in two plays i should have let you come up and tell the story you would have done a much better job so Miami could have won. They thought they were going to win. They had it won. And, 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 and then they got cocky and they made a mistake. And all of a sudden, what they thought was going to be a win now became a terrible loss. So with a minute or so, two minutes, um, less than two minutes left, everybody thought that, everybody put your fingers up like this. Let me see your W, man. And, and everybody thought that Miami's going to be a winner. Let me see you, man. You guys a winner? Let me see your hand. Put your... Oh, come on, Julie. You're a winner. Say, I am a winner. All right. Oh, what are you laughing at? Come on, man. Let me see. I am a winner. Get her on camera doing that. All right. We're going to do it numerous times a day, all right? Miami thought they were a winner. They thought Georgia Tech was going to be a loser, right? That's what they thought. But in the end, in the last split second, it switched. And Miami became a loser. And Georgia Tech became the winner. And so that reminds me of Satan. So often from the very beginning of Israel's history, when God created Israel out of Abraham, when God even created Adam and Eve and talked them into sinning, Satan has been trying to thwart the fact that God would send a Messiah and he's come so close so many times in scripture where he's on the goal, he, he's there, all he's got to do is take a knee, but God in his omniscience. God in his omnipotence and God in his omnipresence, man. If you don't know what that means, it means God can do anything. God is everywhere and he knows everything. God in all of that defeats him at the end. In other words, the people of God always at the, almost at the end look like they're going to be losers. And at the end, God pulls it out and they're winners. The world right now wants to let you know you are a loser. And in the world's economy, if you're not reading the word of God, if you're not hanging out with people of God, if you're not in fellowship with people helping you see life from God's perspective, you can get down pretty quick. 
If all you do is watch the news, all you do is hang out in this world, all you do is hang out on social, dude, you can be, you can feel like you're a loser. You get in God's word, you get around God's people, and you see that God is going to be the winner. God likes to let it to get like the Miami game. And now in no way, Scott, am I equating the Miami Hurricanes with Satan, okay? Even though you would. Even though you would, and other people would, all right? You remember the days back in the days? Yeah, they, 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 were, they were pretty rough. But Florida State's had their moments, you know. Jameis Winston and his crawdad legs, or, you know, crab legs. But anyways, uh, I digress on that. But in this, God always does that. Man, you know, he always waits, and Satan thinks. At the crucifixion, Satan thought, I won, I got him. And then there's a resurrection. And his whole plan is foiled. And that's the way the Bible likes to operate. So when things get rough, when things get tough, you've got to see life from God's perspective because God wants it to look like you are going to fail. But when you trust him, he's going to do something so supernatural that only he can get blamed. Y'all want to be a part of something like that? Yeah, that's what it's about. And so in this, man... I'm supposed to be in Romans chapter 6. Today, we're supposed to look at the fact that, you know what? You're serving somebody. You're either serving Satan or you're serving God at any decision in life. We'll get back to that next week about if you want to have this idea that you can serve who you want and you're not serving anybody, you're serving. No, that's fallacy according to the word of God. But when all this stuff started firing up about Israel yesterday, dude, that gets my attention. You know why it gets my attention? Because what is the center of the universe as far as God is concerned, y'all? It's Israel. It's Israel, this little state, this little country that God put together. In fact, you know what? It's interesting if you read commentators, biblical commentators from back in the day in the 1800s and so on. Israel was so far gone that they spiritualized anything concerning Israel's future. You got to be careful when you read those guys because they spiritualized so much about Israel's future because there was no way God, there's no way Israel would ever be a country again. But guess what? Israel became what? A country again. And, 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 and God is not done with Israel. Israel is the center of his universe. Jerusalem is his city. When you see the world fighting over Jerusalem because it's going to happen, Satan, uh, before the cross, he was trying to do everything he could do to Israel to stop the Messiah from coming. But the Messiah came. In fact, you guys even remember when uh, the wise men didn't go back and tell Herod. He didn't go back and tell Herod that, you know, where the Messiah was in Bethlehem. And you remember it was even prophesied in Jeremiah that Herod would come and kill every baby boy under two years old in hopes to take the Messiah out. But guess what? Satan has foolproof plans. Everybody say foolproof. So who are they proof of? They're, they're, they're proof of fools. <laughs> foolproof plans. You know what God has? God has Godproof plans. They're, every foolproof plan will be thwarted by a Godproof plan. And so guess what? Jesus wasn't there. Where was he? He was in Egypt because God gave Joseph a dream in the middle of the night and they took off. And from what the wise men had given them, they had the money as a young couple who's broke. They had money to go and, and go do what they needed to do in that. God always works it out. That's why we don't live by circumstances. We don't live by situations. We're not, we're not looking to circumstances to tell us what to do. We're looking to the word of God to know what to do. Because God's got a plan that is so surreal. He's got a plan that is so different than the way this world system that Satan has created operates. 
God wants to do things so supernatural that only he can get blamed. And those who have an intimate, thriving relationship with him listening can be a part of that. And so today, man, as I'm looking at all this stuff at Israel, God's like, dude, I want you to tell the church today, you guys are winners. Everybody do that one more time. Throw this up right here. All right, just put it up over here. Put it up over there. All right. Everybody say, I am a winner. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm a winner. Dude, I'm just going to tell you, wake up in the morning, Claudia, and just do that, right? Tell me that. If you did that tomorrow, you woke up and did that in the mirror, would it not make you laugh like you're laughing right now? I'm a winner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because the world's telling us we're a loser. Sometimes we look in the mirror and think we're a loser just based on what we see. But dude, according to God's word, we're a winner. And, and, and that's not the way it's always going to look with the world's circumstances. So I do want you praying for Israel. Back in Genesis chapter 12, y'all, you go back and read it. Genesis chapter 12, when God told Abraham he was going to create a nation out of him. And out of that nation, he was going to bring a Messiah. And Satan fought it for so long. That's why Satan was fighting, because Israel was going to bring the Messiah. But since Israel brought the Messiah, Satan has been fighting through people like Hitler and all kinds of people. Why is there even a word called anti-Semitism? because satan wants to destroy israel because they did bring the messiah and there's going to come a time in history where god is going to save israel he's not done with israel in fact jerusalem is going to be the center of the millennial kingdom it's going to be the capital city but god told abraham in, in genesis chapter 12 he said man i'm gonna make a great nation out of you i'll make your name great i'm gonna I, I, man you're gonna have all these kids offspring you're gonna bring you're gonna the whole world's gonna be blessed through you through a messiah but here's what he said you go back and check it out. He said, I'm going to bless those that bless you, and I'm going to curse those that curse you. That is an eternal pact. God made an eternal covenant. You can go back and look in chapter 15, chapter 17, and you can see the eternal covenant God made with Israel. This isn't based on how Israel acts. Just like, hey, is your salvation based on how you act, Laura? And aren't you glad? Yeah, it's based on how God acted, right? And, 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 and that's the same thing with the covenant with Israel. Yes, while they're there to live in the promised land, it was based on how they act. But their eternal covenant with him is not based on this, based on God. When God told Abraham these things in, 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 in chapter 15 or 17, God said, I'm going to make a pact with you. And they sacrificed a bunch of animals and put them to the side. And, 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 and when they did that, they, as Abraham fell asleep, he saw God as a flaming torch walking through. God ratifying the covenant that he made with Israel. God is not done with Israel. And if you want to put your bets on anybody, in fact, we're going to see numerous times in the future where the whole world goes against Israel. Everybody in the world is going to go against Israel. But guess who's going to win, y'all? In the end, Israel is going to win. Yes. So, man, I'm going to bless those that bless you, and I am going to curse those that curse you. That is Israel. You choose whether you want to believe God's word or not. And so yesterday, you may have been watching football games. You may have been watching, you know, Dancing with the Stars. I don't know what y'all watch. Man. I'm just saying, man, you may have been watching your Facebook page or something. But, dude, when something's happening in Israel, turn it on. It is all that matters in the world at that point. This is the center of God's universe. And when is, things are happening over there, especially in an unprecedented form, precedented form, the way they are now, this has not happened before. This is nuts what's going on. 
and most of y'all, some of y'all might be, well, I didn't know whatever. I don't really care. I'm not getting wrapped up in it. No, get wrapped. This isn't political. This is biblical, y'all. Israel's biblical. And yes, I'm going to tell you some political things all in all of this. In, in fact, I want you to pray for Israel. I don't necessarily want you to be on Fox and CNN. You can go on all of that. But in reality, um, read Israeli news. And even though Israeli news has become scripted since COVID, much the way all of our news has become, it's still, especially in this condition, it's like when we get a hurricane, we need some real information. Right now, they've got a crisis. They need some real information. So if you got notes, it's A-R-U-T-Z, Arutz. I don't know how to say it. And it's probably, you know, they like gargle, you know, and hunt loogies on you when they talk. But Arutz 7, or there's the Jerusalem Post. But A-R-U-T-Z. UTZ7, that is the local Israeli news that you can pull up. And on there, on the very beginning, here's live updates. Israel at war. Why do I want to know that? Because it's the center of God's universe. Because you're going to see what's going on. And I'm going to tell you why to be excited about it. But first, let me tell you how to, you can look at it and you can't help but see how to pray for Israel. Because there, Satan, who runs this world, is going to give you every bit of information to try to convince you Israel is wrong and that the Palestinians are right. And you're going to have all kinds of videos, all kinds of... Your, my feeds are already being bombarded by Palestinian propaganda. But I know what God's Word says. And I know which side God's on. And unfortunately, like with every war, whether it's Ukraine and Russia or it's Israel and Palestine, the people like us, we are the pawns that the world leaders use to redistribute income. You can go back to any civilization in the history of man and see how the kings and rulers started wars and people died and were murdered and tortured and everything only so those leaders could change their income, redistribute income. It's, we've been nothing but pawns. But if you are a child of God, God knows that and God will take care of that. One day there'll be retribution on that. When Babylon goes down, that's where you will get your justice. That's Revelation 18, 17, 18, and all of that. And God will take care of you because, hey, Pittsburgh Rob, you died right now. Where are you going, bro? If they killed you, going to heaven immediately, absent from the bodies, present with the Lord. How many of y'all are going to complain? Chris, you end up in heaven like in the next second. Are you going to be like, oh, dang, man, my wife's going to miss me. I, I want to go back. <laughs> no, because if God took you, he'll take care of your wife. She, she, she might even get somebody better. I'm, no, I'm just joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. I don't know. I don't know how it's all going to go down, but I know if God takes you, if it's your time to go, there's no army in the world that can protect you. And if it's not your time to go, there's no army in the world that can take you out. And so it's all done by a sovereign God. But listen, this is how you can be praying for Israel. They got attacked by Hamas yesterday. All right, let's go back. And again, I'm, I promise I'm going to scripture. I got whole 50 verses to cover. So don't worry about not getting scripture today. All right. All right, but I got to cover this super quick on this. Listen, man, it started out yesterday. And anybody see how what the death tolls were in Israel? They got attacked by Hamas. And this was a, a very calculated attack. This is not something that Hamas has been able to pretty much pull off. And in fact, the world leaders, there's a, uh, the world military leaders are saying, yes, Iran and Russia helped orchestrate this. Now, our guy Blinken just came out and said, well, there's no proof that Iran did it. Well, good, because you got to 
play everything on every side because that's the world system we live in. You understand our political leaders, whatever party you're in, they're two birds of the same wing. That's why our faith and trust is not in them. Our faith and trust is in God Almighty, amen? Now, if you have a responsibility to vote, you vote for the platform that's going to allow you to do the best you can of what you believe God wants you to do. We don't blow off all the politics, but don't find that as your savior. They're all here. Let me give you this. So do you remember Afghanistan? We pulled out of Afghanistan. We left billions of dollars worth of cash and equipment and weapons. You go study it and look. The most liberal papers will tell you how much we even left. It's anywhere from seven billion to whatever Trump said, like hundred something million. But anyways, we left tons of money, billions of dollars. You know who took over? Afghanistan, the Taliban. The Taliban is a jihadist organization and their whole purpose in life is to annihilate Israel. You go look on it. They want, they do not believe Israel needs to live and their purpose is like every other jihadist Islam organization. It is to annihilate Israel. Not put them in their place, but annihilate them so they do not exist. Who's been trying to do that since the very beginning? Satan. So you've got the Taliban that has all billions, not millions, billions of dollars of American stuff. And according to the Israeli newspaper, the Taliban has said to Iran, they have said, let us cut through your property so that we can use these weapons and help our brothers annihilate Israel. They want to come through. According to the paper here, there has been fire and rockets and things coming from the north out of uh, Lebanon. And in Lebanon is another terrorist organization that wants to eliminate Israel called Hezbollah. And they have been equipped with weapons. And, and now they believe that Hezbollah is coming in out of the north. If Iran decides that they need to and they're going to let Israel go across their property, then everybody's coming against Israel. And most believe Russia and Iran are... Now, Iran, what difference does it make there? Well, right around 9-11, guess what happened? There was... Uh, we needed to get rid of... Get five Americans out of somewhere in captivity. So our political system, our national leaders, they freed up six billion. Hey, Sean, how much is a billion, dude? Can you even imagine one billion? Half a billion. A quarter. What could you do with a quarter billion? You know, this is not millions, billions. Six billion. They freed up a month ago to give to Iran. They freed it up. What do you think Iran's using that for? Who do you think financed all this Hamas stuff right in this? Hamas is a proxy war. It's a proxy army for Iran. So look at this. This is biblical. Go read Ezekiel. Go read the Old Testament. Not your little daily devotion, you know, daily bread. I'm not criticizing that, but go read the entire Bible. The entire Bible is about Jesus Christ. And again, God is going to send a Savior. He sends a Savior. And Satan is trying to destroy Israel. So you can read uh, the latest. I watched from this morning when I got up. There was 300 dead. And uh, dozens kidnapped and over, I don't know, there's about 1,400, 1,500 injured. By the next, the next hour it went up, 
And the last update now is Israel at war at least. This is legit. Israel is legitimately at war. Have you ever seen a time in your lifetime when Israel was at war? No, you have not. They've been at war their whole life. Their whole defense budget is it's humongous, but this is actual declaration of war. This is unprecedented, y'all. And because this is the center of God's universe, dude, pay attention. I'm going to tell you why in a minute. But now 600 people, they have said, have been killed by this. Dozens kidnapped, but according to the Jerusalem Post, it's over 1,000 military people and civilians. Chris and Sabrina, they came into your house, man. They busted in and they took your wife and your family. And you. They took you guys. They've got civilians. And so, oh, but Israel's blowing up civilian bills. Well, guess what? You know where they're finding they're running Hamas out of? Out of mosque and civilian buildings. That's how it was all run. And so they're blowing up these buildings. So get the whole story. But the point is not this. Israel, whether they win this battle or they win this, it's irrelevant. The point is we pray for Israel because we're told to pray for Israel. We're told in the Psalms to pray for the peace of Israel. God's got a plan for Israel. And Satan has always wanted to destroy Israel before the Messiah because he was going to bring them. And after the Messiah because he's ticked that Israel brought the Messiah. And that's why we're supposed to pray. God did bring the Messiah through Israel. And God is not done with Israel. And over 2,000 injured now. So again, man, either go to Jerusalem Post. You can get the app on your phone. Or Arutz Sheba. A-R-U-T-Z-S-H-E-V-A. And you go follow it yourself. Stay off of CNN and Fox and all the scripted news. Stay. It might have some of the same things. This is legit. This is like reading the comments. Something happens in Pittsburgh, Rob. You, you, see, what, you, you see what the newspaper says, but read the comments. That's what the average person's saying. That's what you're going to get here. So here's why this is important to us, guys. You're like, wait, no, the Dolphins are playing. I want to watch the Dolphins. No, I don't. You know what? I, no, I don't want it. La, la, la. I don't want to pay attention to this. Dude, this is an exciting time to be alive. One, God's given you something to pray for, but two, you're starting to watch God's plan materialize. So here's the next great event in God's spiritual calendar. Here we are, we're the church. The next great event is the rapture of the church. Woo! Dude, would you, Ben, would you be upset if it happened before the wedding? No! Emily and, Emily and Skyler, would you all be upset if it happened before the wedding? Skylar's like, Emily's like, heck no. Skylar's, well, I think, because I've been waiting, man. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I guarantee you heaven's better than anything she's got to offer, man. <laughs> That's heaven. That's heaven. You guys don't understand how good heaven is, man. So anyways, in this, dude, the next great event is the rapture. If you're like me, and you believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. I'll explain that in a minute. That means that the next thing to happen is we're out of here, dude. The, the, I don't want to hear any of your visions that you've had. Oh, Jesus was at the foot of my back. Oh, I saw Jesus in front of somebody. I saw You did not see Jesus. You are not going to see Jesus until he comes in the clouds and he sucks us up. You see anything that looks like Jesus is probably Satan trying to be like Jesus to distract you. You don't see Jesus right now, physically. He's going to show himself in the clouds, and everyone's going to see he's, he's grabbing his church up. Amen? 
He, that's the next time we see Jesus, man. And I can't wait to fly. Austin, is flying going to be cool? I mean, if we die before, it's still pretty cool, right? You know, right, Scott? We, you know, or Chris, we, get, we go. It's all good, but flying would be sweet, dude. Is there anything that has to happen before the rapture, y'all? Any prophecies need to be fulfilled? We don't need no red heifers. We don't need no black heifers, no green heifers. No, we don't need any of that. We need nothing. We are the church. We need the God the Father to blow the trumpet and say, Jesus, go get him. And Jesus grabs us and takes us up to heaven. Now, if you were a mid-tribulation, you believe the tribulation is seven years, and there's definitely a three-and-a-half-year period where the Antichrist under Satan kind of deceives everybody, and it's kind of messed up but peaceful. But definitely at the, the three-and-a-half-year mark, it gets nasty. And even the mid-trib people say, we're out of here at this point. So I'm not going to argue. I don't care. I'm pro-trib. I'm, I'm pro-rapture. I'm going. Whenever God, and if I have to sit through half the tribulation, God will give me the grace to do that. So I'm not arguing with anybody about that. Bottom line is, I'm going. That's the rapture. And when we go to heaven, if, again, we have seven years, what are we, hey, Emily and Skylar, what are we going to be doing for seven years? What are you guys going to be doing Friday night? Not, no, what, after the ceremony for that couple hours, what are you going to be doing? celebrating the marriage with a party. And that's, you could only rent the place for a couple hours. Dang, this junk's expensive, I'm just saying. And, but in heaven, dude, where, where, are we renting some place for heaven? Are we renting some place to have our marriage supper with the lamb? No, dude, we're not renting any. We are having it in heaven. I don't care how rich you are and how nice your reception was. It ain't nothing compared to what we're going to experience in heaven for seven years. Three and a half if you're a mid-trip guy, all right? I'm partying for seven years, I believe. And I'm going to be in heaven for seven years with Christ. And we're going to be celebrating. Hey, Emily, you, what's your position in this uh, wedding and party and all this? Who are you? The bride. Yeah. You, are, you two are, are the guests of honor. The bride and the groom. Christ is the groom. We are the bride. Do you understand? For seven years, we have a place of honor. How many of y'all can wait? How many of y'all can't wait? But how many of y'all know it's worth the wait to not get wrapped up and depressed and discouraged in this crummy world that we live in? Again, there's good that God can do in that. But dude, we live with an eternal perspective. It brings us joy. It brings us hope. And it helps us stay on track to do what we're supposed to be doing while we're here since we're born again. So we have the rapture. What is going on? The moment, the moment we get sucked out of this universe, what's going on? On this world. It's called the tribulation period. Christ said it is the absolute worst time this earth has ever gone. It is going to be total chaos. At, as soon as we're sucked out, not even because we're sucked out, it's just total chaos. Hey, so how many of y'all see the world becoming more and more total chaos, y'all? If you're looking... You know what? Should that discourage us? No. You know what that should be? Those should be wedding bells, y'all. Y'all see Israel firing up. You see all this going on. Yes, we're praying for Israel, but it's wedding bells for us. And if you know the wedding's coming soon, you're inviting people to the wedding. Because God's got an unlimited budget for this wedding. We don't for this one, but God has for his. <laughs> So if y'all didn't get invited, don't take it personal, man. Y'all just, we can't afford that. I'm just saying. <laughs> man, unlimited budget. And, and, and so the world's going to get crazy. In fact, 
you know what's going to happen? There's going to be a guy named the Antichrist who is directly under Satan. Satan is going to empower him. Satan is going to give him everything he needs to know, everything he needs to do. He is going to come into the world as a massive savior to the world. So in order for the Antichrist to be accepted, can you imagine somebody coming in and being accepted by the Jews and by Islam? Somebody they could both agree on? How messed up would the world have to be, Brad, for them to just say, somebody, do something. I quit, whatever, somebody come here. That's who the Antichrist is going to be. So the more we know we're still here, we know the rapture didn't happen. So what we know is that the rapture didn't happen. And so we know as it gets more and more and more messed up and it gets crazier and crazier, especially in Israel, that's the I got news for you guys. The United States of America is not the center of the universe as far as God is concerned. We were a bunch of misfits that didn't have a place to go. And we came and said, we're going to do things God's way. We're going to go. We're going to have a constitution that will work for moral people. But then we became an immoral group of people and the constitution doesn't work for that. And we have total political and economic and every kind of corruption you can imagine. It's hard to have a job when you're not asked to do something wrong these days. And so again, America, when we followed God, dude, that was all part of the plan. That we succeeded, just like you as an individual, even in America, if you want to follow God's plan, you can succeed. But the fact is, Center Universe isn't America, y'all. And I'm about as redneck, conservative, (laughs) whatever, as you can imagine. I love America and all of that. And it kills me to watch it become what it's becoming. Same thing with Florida, everything. You know, I'm there, but that's not where my hope is. The center of the universe is Israel. And when I see things firing up in an unprecedented way, you don't think it's unprecedented, you go read those newspapers I'm talking. You see what's happening. Go watch the videos of the people being kidnapped. And this doesn't happen to Israelis. Man, this is, uh, it's go- and it's just getting started, y'all. And not to scare you, which it shouldn't scare you because you are a child of God, but do you know uh, how many people we have lit in their southern border that we have absolutely no idea where they came from and what they're doing? And do you know how many Middle Eastern jihadi age men we have lit in? Well, probably not. (laughs) But go do some research on that and see. I don't, when it all goes down, it's going worldwide, y'all. That's what scripture talks about. And so that's why at some point there's going to have to be a guy that comes in and says, I can save it all. And everybody's going to believe him. He's going to be empowered by Satan. And Satan's going to empower the Antichrist. So who's the Antichrist? You know what? Satan's not omniscient. He doesn't know when Christ is coming back. Neither do we. So he's got an Antichrist ready at all times. And he's got one ready now if Jesus wants to pull the plug right now and wants to go do it. And if he does it, we're out of here. We're gone. But the world is now going to worship the Antichrist for the first three and a half years. But this worldwide savior that comes in on the white horse with a bow and no arrow because the world power was given to him because he could rescue it, it's going to turn to world war. It's going to turn to world famine. It's going to turn to worldwide pestilence. You remember reading about all that, Chuck? In Revelation, worldwide pestilence. It's gonna, everything's going, go read in Revelation 6. It's simple. You don't have to be a scholar. You can understand it. That's the big picture of the tribulation period of what the Antichrist does in this. But the world has to be in great chaos in order for all of this to go down. I'll say this, and then we're going to get into Scripture. 
when Antichrist takes over, there's going to be three things in place. There's going to be a worldwide government. There is going to be a worldwide economy, a one-world economy, a one-world government, and a one-world religion. So if you see the handwriting on the wall, dude, look up. Your redemption draws nigh. Listen, these are what spells. And if it's messing up your plans, then get out of the world's plans and get into God's plans. Because it won't mess up God's plans. One world government. <laughs> Anybody hear anything about a one world government? Any plans on that? I dare you. Go just Google up the World Economic Forum. Just, or go buy Klaus Schwab's book. And, and you will be amazed at how many people in the worldwide system are all. But most people, we have no idea on that. Just go check it out. I dare you. But don't let it upset you. Let it be wedding bells, y'all. Let it be wedding bells. And, and so the one world government, that's going to be run by Antichrist. So what do you need to be able to get the whole world together? You need total chaos. Where somebody can come in and say, dun, 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 I'm here to rescue the day. <laughs> right? That's how we do it. America's in the way of a one world government. And I got news for you, America's not in prophecy in the form that we see it. America may be in some conglomerate of ten nations or whatever, maybe. But America's not in prophecy. Israel is. And I got news, China and Russia and, and Syria, Iran, they're all in prophecy because that's the world. Do you guys even know world, world? I told you I was geographically challenged. That's with America. But we got little Israel. We got Iran. I'm going my way. Got Iran. You got, you got Russia. You got China. You got India. How many people, Scott, are in Russia, China, and India? <laughs> and we think we're, we're like the run in the universe. We think our little carbon footprint's messing things up. Dude, go to one of those three countries and see how much gas they're blowing into the, into the atmosphere. And, and so, so again, we're so isolated. But that's the world. America over here, we were a bunch of misfits that chose to come and live the way God wants to live, and he blessed it while we did it. And we're not doing it anymore, but you as an individual can. And you will be blessed if you do. So man, there's the, there's the one world government. There's a one world economy. What's standing in the way of the one world economy? The dollar. Got to kill the dollar. Got to kill the dollar. Got to get rid And if you know anything about the news, that's what's going down right now. So many ways to kill the dollar. You got to get rid of the dollar. So you got a one world government, a one world economy. America's in the way. And a one world religion, Christianity, you know who's in the way? Christ is in the way. You will still have a form of Christianity, but there will be no power. P, uh, Paul told Timothy, you got to take Christ out of it. And I am seeing in my own lifetime how Christ is being taken out of Christianity. I'm not freaking out, Brandon. They're wedding bells, dude. The more I see it happen, the more I'm going to preach Christ. Man, they come and take me out, come bust through my window. What, who cares? I got a jail ministry. Either that or I'm in home. I'm, I'm in heaven with Christ. It doesn't matter. It's not my life for me to live as Christ, to die is better. That's what Paul said. That's what scripture is. That's the kingdom dream, not the American dream. That's a kingdom dream. That's what I'm living for. So in this, there's going to be this one, there, there's going to be the Antichrist running this one world government, this one world economy, this one uh, world religion, and he's going to be the center of it. And you can read all about it in the middle part of Revelation. It's easy. At the end of that, Christ is going to take them all down. They're called Babylon. And then he's going to put all the unrighteous away, and then God is going to start a millennial kingdom, a thousand years, where he is on the throne, and it's only righteousness, and we will have a glorified body. Sue, you ready to have a glorified body? 
Look at it, dude. She's sleeping, man. You ready to have a glorified body, Sue? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, focus. Right. You want a glorified body? You're a young man. You need to... So, man, we, got glor- we need a glorified body. We're going to have that for a thousand years. Kurt, can you imagine a perfect body in a perfect place with perfect people for a thousand years? Does that not sound good? That's our future, y'all. That's our future. I don't know, Ben. Maybe none of us are going to have hair. We'll find out hair was just a pain. You know, I don't know, Ben, whether it's hair or hair. It'll be perfect. It will all be perfect. And then at the end of that thousand years, Satan, who had been chained up and had no influence over anybody for a thousand years, he's going to be set free and he's going to convince the humans, not glorified humans, but the humans on the planet, to all go against and fight the people of God. What an idiot. He's going to think he's going to win again like the Miami Hurricanes. (laughs) And then he's going to blow it. And then he and everyone else is going to be, that is unrighteous, is going to the eternal pit of hell. But we will be in the pearly gates, and we will be in heaven forever. That's how it ends. That's my synopsis. But let's take a look in Daniel and see how this all goes down. You know the story. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of plod through the very first part of it, probably not preach on a lot because I want to get to the end and, uh, in this. But here's what I want you to know. Look at this. Christ is going to crush this current world kingdom, and he will establish a kingdom that will last forever. Matthew, has that happened yet? No, it has not happened yet. So we know this is something future, all right? So my, command, my, my encouragement to you is make sure you are living in the right kingdom. you got a choice. You can live in this world kingdom, but I'm going to tell you, everything in this world kingdom is going down. Everything in this world kingdom that you invest in is going to be destroyed. It is not going to last. It's going to go to other people. It's going to, it's going to be gone. It will not last forever. Now, I'm not saying we don't do anything, but whatever God has given you the ability to do, make sure you are using it to further his kingdom. And you're not just furthering your kingdom. Because when you get wrapped up in simply your kingdom, you're wrapped up on the wrong side. And when it all goes down, you're going to be disappointed. And it will. Satan loves to do that. He loves to get you to sell your soul into something that's not eternal and put all your efforts, energies, and then take it down because then you'll be discouraged. You'll be depressed. But don't worry, the world's got some zannies for you. <laughs> they got some medicine that you won't be depressed. You just be a vegetable, but you ain't going to be depressed. They got answers for it all, but the answer is the word of God. Make sure you're living in the right kingdom. Seek first, seek always, seek only the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything you need will be added to you. Check this out. I'm going to try to bust through these first part. In the second year of the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams and his spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Anybody ever have bad dreams and you can't sleep? Especially bad, man, whoo, bad dreams over and over and over again. And he, he can't sleep, man. He's, he's whooped. He's t- and, and he's frustrated because he is the leader of the most prominent country, empire in the world at the time. And he's a young man trying to do a good job. So the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dream. So they came in and stood before him like they always did. I want you to notice who's here, the magicians. The enchanters, the sorcerers, the Chaldeans. You know what he had? He had the medical world. He had the, he had the education world. 
He had the, sci- the science world of the time, and he had the political world. You go back and look at those four people. He had everybody that the current people would go and look to the experts for answers for. I want you to know that they don't always have the answers. Now, I'm not saying every answer they have is wrong, but you better check it against where. Who's the one we know that always has the answer? God does. He didn't know God. Fortunately, he gets to know someone who does know God. But he's going to the politicians. He's going to the educators. He's going, going, going to the scientists. You know, He's going to all these people. And he said, guys, I got a dream. You tell me the dream. You know what they used to do, Spencer? That you, you Say you were a wise man. You came in because you're a tall guy. They always like tall guys. And you come in, oh, king, yeah, hey, here's a... Could you come up with a BS answer for the king of what his dream was about? Yeah, they would give the king a dream. You do that to Sam all the time, don't you? But she don't fall for it as much anymore, right? So, you know, hey, what was this? Oh, yeah, hey, man, you know. And they tell him a story, and he's like, okay, I feel better because you told me a story. But this time was different. He kept having the same dream, and there were serious consequences over this. So he needed a real answer to a real problem. He didn't just need some little token answer to make him feel better. He didn't need mama to kiss his boo-boo and say it was going to be okay. So, man, they stood before the king in this, and the king said to him, uh, oh, day, man, hang on, man, take me back. The king said to him, I had, oh, uh, one more, JJ, sorry about that. All right, and the king said to them <laughs> for the third time, I had a dream. My spirit is troubled to know the dream. Oh, king, tell us the dream. Come on, man, watch this. JJ, I'm just going to let you script there. All right, uh, then the Chaldeans, guess who the Chaldeans were? They were politicians he inherited from the last administration. <laughs> politicians he inherited from the last administration, which was his dad's. Listen to them. Oh, king, live forever. Right? <laughs> Kissing up. What? A- oh, king, live forever. King, you're awesome, you know, and we want to stay in power. So, hey, tell us what's going on. We'll help you out. Just like we helped your dad, never pull Lazar out. We'll help you out. Then the king said, and the king, oh, king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream. We'll tell you the interpretation. So whatever he told them as a dream, he, they, yeah, they got an interpretation. Politicians have not changed, y'all. Only thing we learn from history is we don't learn. And you say, but we have a vote. Let's vote new people in. But how many times have you seen, even the good old local boys you know, Chris, they come in and they get voted in to make a difference and they become just like the yahoos they said they're going to replace. Can't fight City Hall. That's why you don't put your faith and trust in City Hall. You put it in God Almighty. And you do what you're able to do within the political system. You take the responsibilities, but that is not how you live and die is by that political system. They've never been this. They've always been there. Tell us, hey, we'll give you some cockamamie story on how to survive all of this. Just tell us. We'll, we'll come up with something, and then we're going to publish it in the media. And everybody's going to see it. And if it's everywhere, it's got to be true. It's got to be true. Abraham Lincoln. He said you can't believe everything you read on the internet. You get it? Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. So look at this. Tell us the dream, and we'll show you the interpretations. The king answered. I'm just going to let you switch. I'm going to keep reading, and you slip. But uh, So the king answered and said to the Chaldeans and politicians, the word for me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and the interpretation, 
You shall be torn from limb to limb, and your house shall be laid in ruins. I like how King James put it. Your house will be a dunghill. Y'all know what dung is, right? Your house will be a dunghill. You tell me the dream, then I'll believe your interpretation of it. I, I, this is a serious matter. I don't need your political rhetoric anymore. We need a real solution to a real problem. So if you show me the dream and its interpretations, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards um, you, from me, gifts and rewards and great honor. So it's great. If you actually can pull this off like y'all have been saying you could do for years, it's going to be great. I'll reward you. But what happens if you're living a lie? <laughs> That's where they're at. Therefore, show me the dream. Show me the interpretations. Verse 7, they answered a second time and said, I know with a certainty that you are trying to gain time because you see that the word is firm. So King Nebuchadnezzar said, you guys are stalling. You guys are messing around. You're trying to play me again like you've always done. I need a real solution to a real problem. Verse 9, he says, if you do not, what's that? Yeah, this is getting confusing here. All right, all right. So I'm going to read the white, and then I'll read the yellow. And you, I get it. I get it. The king answer said, "I know with certainty you're trying to gain time because the word is firm." I already read that. All right. So if you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times have changed, till my mood changes, and then I'm willing to accept whatever you want to throw at me, like we always do. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me the interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, there's not a man on earth. <laughs> there's nobody that can do this. <laughs> you, ever, you ever ask Marley to do something? And he's like, nobody can do that. That's too hard. But Marley, lots of people get up before 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I had to give him that one, Chuck, right? Nobody's mom makes them get up like that. So, so guess what? They get caught in a lie, and now they're like, but nobody, we, surely <laughs> what you want is too hard. The Chaldean said, this, there's not a man on earth who can meet the king's demands. Boy, wasn't he right. That's why you got to know. Look at that. If we could get this through our head as believers, we would have much more successful lives. Look what he says. There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demands. Most of what you're looking for in life, there's not a man on earth who can meet that demand. But there's a God. You're going to see that later. And we have him living inside of us. For no great and powerful king has ever in the history of the universe. Does Marley do that too? How many of your kids go through whole theatrical movements and, and oh, this is just so horrible. It just, nobody would ever ask anyone to do that, right? Can you see these political leaders pulling it all off? No one's asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter. So you notice who they're else bringing in here? They're bringing in the poli they're the politicians. They're bringing in the scientists. They're bringing in the educators. They're bringing in, in the religious people. They're bringing in everybody. And, and they're saying, nobody would ask any of us. And those guys are going, yeah, yeah, you're right. The thing that the king asks is difficult. And no one can show it to the king except the gods. Hey, Chuck, first commandment said, 
have no other gods before me. Why? There are no other gods. <laughs> no one can show it except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. <laughs> How many of y'all got God dwelling in flesh with you right now? So guess what? You've got an answer for every single question that you need answered in life. You just got to accept it. You got to go to the right source. Man, no one can show it to the king except the gods. And they don't dwell in that. Look at verse 12 through 16. Because of this, because he saw he was just going to get the fluff he always got from all the other people, because of this, the king was angry and he was furious. And he commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed, even the ones that weren't there. So a decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill him. They weren't even there. Daniel, what are the other three guys' names? Y'all help me out. Shadrach, me. Yeah, you got him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And actually, you know, those aren't even their, their, those aren't really their Hebrew names. When they conquered people, what they would do is they would give them new names like your God stinks or our God's better. You know, they would give them new names. So every time I call JJ, instead of calling JJ, I'd say, oh, your God let you down. Uh, your, your God's not very powerful. That would be your new name. And they keep driving that in them and driving it in them. And that's how they conquer in this. But these guys never forgot where they came from. So they came to Daniel's door. What? Sorry, that was bad. Knock on the door. Wait a minute. All right, they knocked on the door. Hey, y'all can y'all do that? The coconut thing with your hand? All right, yeah. Some people were looking like, you're kind of weird, Pastor. You're the only one that can do that. that. Most, Most of us have something in our head to kind of reverb that, but it was just something we did in Pine Hills after we rode our bike behind the mosquito truck when we were kids. Did y'all do that? You remember the mosquito truck? I'm, I'm going off on a tangent now, but you remember the mosquito truck? Dude, the mosquito truck, mosquito. And we got on our bikes, dude, and I was a better bike rider, so I could be right behind that sucking in all that DDT, man. It was awesome until later. <laughs> but anyways, Daniel replied with prudence. He gets knocked on the king's door. They, they knock on Daniel's door. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and go, hey. Oh, hey, what's up, Ariok? Hey, how's it going? Well, it's going all right, but I'm here to kill you. <laughs> I'm collecting all the wise guys right now, and we're going to take you and we're going to kill them. So Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Ariok. Hey, where do you get prudence and discretion from? Where, where do you get prudence and discretion from, Pickleball Ralph? God, you don't whip it up from your mind you learned in college or school or from all your years of lying or whatever. You get it from God. You want the right answer at the right time. In fact, it, isn't that what he's told us in John 14, 26? The Holy Spirit, the Comforter, when he comes and lives inside of you, he will teach you everything you need to know at any given point. And for you old people that forget things. How many old people forget things? Pittsburgh, Rob, that you? Oh, just Robin, right? And, 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 and that's why she writes it down, right? You know? He said, and I will remind you of everything I've already taught you. We have God Almighty in us to do that, to give us the right answer all the time. But sometimes we've got to wait on that answer. Sometimes we've got to agree with that answer. We've got to give that answer, and that's where our problem is. But Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree going out so urgent? Well, because the king's ticked off. That's why. 
Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel and said, yeah, king's really ticked off. They couldn't do anything. So Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time. Give me some time, bro. Because what does the king really want? Does he want to destroy all the wise men or does he really want a solution? He wants a solution. And so Daniel's giving him hope. Dude, tell the king, I'll, give me a shot. I know a God who's got the answer. So give me a shot. Let me talk to this God who knows the answer and, and see what we can do from that. So Daniel went into the house and him and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they got some paper and they made a petition and they got all the wise men to sign it and presented it to the king, right? And there was enough names on the petition where, you know, we're going to vote you out of all. No. Oh, dude, we're going to arm ourselves and we're going to blow all these guys away and we're going to do it with military force. No. Look what they did. Go back one. Then Daniel went in his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions. Who are those three guys? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah, but he made it known to them that those are their Hebrew names. Those are their names that, that remind them of who's in charge and the only reason why they're even in Babylon at this point in time. Because God thought that was the best place for them to be. Just like you're where you're supposed to be because it's the very best place God wants you, has for you right now. You got an assignment from God Almighty. So he told them to seek the mercy of the God of heaven concerning this mystery. So that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men in Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. So as soon as he got the answer, he didn't run. All right, hey guys, man. You know, he took time to thank God. He was grateful. God's not in a hurry. He took time to thank God. And watch this thankfulness to God that he gives us in verse 20 to 23. Check this out. He, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. To who belong, him belong wisdom and might. If you need wisdom, where do you get it from? Tara, where do you got to get it? Yeah, you ever need wisdom? Yeah, you live with Chris. You need wisdom, right? Yeah, you get it from God. No, I said you live with Chris, so you need wisdom. And you get it from God, right? All right? Hey, Chuck, God is almighty, so how much might does he have? And if he's got all the might, how much you got? None. So look what he says. God, blessed be the God who, of heaven who has all wisdom and might. You need wisdom and might. Where are you going to get it from, Matthew? God, quit trying to find it in your own strength. So he goes on and he says he changes. Look at this. He changes times and seasons. Who changed you and put you in this season? Who put you in this season, Brad? Who put you in this season, John? Who put you in this season, Amanda? Who put you all in this season? God did. And who do we answer for for this season? We answer to God. And we take this season and we live it in such a way that we can then one day tell God what we did. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. He's the one who puts you in the seasons. Look at this. He removes kings and sets up kings. Hey, you want to complain about who's the president of the United States? Who made Biden the president? I'm not saying you are. Maybe you love him. But who made Biden? Hey, Barb, who made Biden? I know you're a big Biden fan. I'm joking because I see your post. But who put Biden in office? Well, it was a, you know what? Yeah, even if God maybe has to rig an election, and I'm not saying he did, but for those who think it was, God could even rig an election to get Biden in if that's what he wants. God is responsible for putting everybody in leadership who's in leadership. 
He'll do it in whatever way he wants. And you know what you find in Scripture? That usually people get the leadership they deserve. Maybe not leadership they want, but you look through history, people get the leadership they deserve. But nothing is going to change God's plan. You're not big enough, small enough. You can vote any way you want, but God's going to have his man in office, not just politically, but in your condo association, in your homeowners association, in your clubs, and whatever you're doing. He's putting them in charge. And we generally get the leadership we deserve. He changes time this season. He removes kings, sets up kings. He gives wisdom. That's the ability to see life from God's perspective in a situation. So if you got a situation, you need to see it from God's perspective. Who do you ask? Jeff, who do you ask? God, he's the one who helps you see it from his perspective. If I want to see it from JJ's perspective, who should I ask? JJ. If I want to see it from Laura's perspective, who should I ask? Laura. If I want to see it from God's, who should I ask? God. That's what wisdom is. He gives wisdom to the wise. The wise are the ones that want to see it from his perspective instead of their own. And knowledge to those who have understanding. So those who want to use knowledge rightly, they want to use it to glorify him who'll give it to you. But if you're just going to use it to further your kingdom, man, he's probably not going to give it to you. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. Dude, you're in the dark right now, and you need to be in the light. Who, who, who do you go? Who's the flashlight? Jules, who's your flashlight? God. <laughs> yeah. He reveals deep hidden things. He knows what's in the darkness. The light dwells with him. And look what he says to you, O God, my Father, uh, of my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and might. You have made known to me what we asked of you to you for you have made known to us the king's matter. So let's see what happens next in verse 24 through 28. Therefore, Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. He went and said to him, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me before the king and I will show the interpretation. So who's happy about this? First off, do you think Arioch's happy? Do you think he really wants to like set up like firing squads to get rid of all? No, Arioch's, oh, good. That's what the king really wants as a solution. Good. I can't wait to bring. Hey, king, I have somebody to bring to you. All right. So Daniel, uh, then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king. In haste and said to him, I found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known the king's interpretation. God got somebody now. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, that was his Babylonian name, meaning that Baal is the real God. <laughs> kind of ironic there. He said, Are you able to make known to me the dream that I've seen and the interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, No wise man, look at this, no wise man. No enchanters, no magicians, no astrologers can show you, can show the king the mystery that God has asked. But, look at this next verse. But, how many of y'all like God's butts in the Bible? He has some big butts in the Bible, man. <laughs> and they are good. Man, when God has, yeah, look what he says. No, no human, the scientists don't know, the educators don't know, the politicians don't know. And certainly not the heathen the heathen religious people they don't know but there is a god in heaven who reveals mysteries he has made known to king nebuchadnezzar what will be in the and where 
So all of a sudden, now you find out that this dream he's been having that's been upsetting him is all about the latter days. In fact, what it's going to show us is world history. <clears throat> it's going to show you how it all goes down, how it ends, how it's going to happen, and how it's all going to start again with an eternal kingdom that we're going to live in forever. He said he's going to show you what is going to happen in these latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head are, as you lay in the bed, are these. Here's what your vision is. Look at verse 29. <clears throat> to you, O king, as you in, lay in bed, thoughts came of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, he goes on to explain a little bit more. He says, mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom I have, more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. God's going to answer this for you. He said, you saw, O king, behold, a great image. So I want you to picture this statue. And if you've ever been with me for any length of time, you know I've preached this a hundred different times. But I'm telling you, every time I preach it, it's because God wants it preached. And today he wants it preached because, Abby, let me see your W, man. Abby, you're a winner. You're a winner. I want you to know that today. No matter how the world tries to make you a loser, you're a winner. Watch this dude, man. Austin, he has got the biggest. Can we see your winner, man? Look at that, dude. Oh, not that, dude. <laughs> Close that up, man. That means something else, all right? That's racist, I heard. But anyway, I'm just joking. <laughs> You're a winner, dude. Not a loser. You're a winner, all right? So you, O king, and behold, a great image. This image you saw, mighty and exceeding in brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. That's why he woke up every night. There's this giant image that Nebuchadnezzar kept seeing. <clears throat> he said... The head of this image was gold. Watch this. The head of the image is gold, all right? Its chest and arms are silver. Its middle and thighs are of bronze. So let me ask you a question. As we go further down the statue, what can you say about, about uh, silver related to gold? Not as valuable. What can you say about bronze is related to silver? It's not as valuable. So you see the value of this statue and what it represents is decreasing. And what you're going to see is this statue is talking about world history. And contrary to evolution, man is not getting better. Man is getting worse. They're getting what one to generation tolerates, the next generation accepts. And so the quality of life, the quality of our civilization is getting worse until Christ comes and totally demolishes it and starts a brand new kingdom that's going to be unsurpassed by any other kingdom you'll see. So we got head of what? We've got arms and a chest of what? And we've got a middle and thighs of what? So here we're going to see three kingdoms. Keep going. It's legs of iron and feet of iron and partly of clay. So check this out. We've got, so, so under this, we've got legs of iron and then feet have iron and clay. What do you think about iron and clay, Brad? They're not going to be stable. Dude, bronze, brass, iron. Ah, they got to destroy themselves, right? But iron and clay, dude. They're going to destroy themselves in this. So look what he goes on to say. As you looked, okay, so you've got this mighty statue that looks awesome. And he says, as you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hands. So if it wasn't cut out by human hands, Marley, what kind of hands was it cut out by? God's hands. Yeah, remember that. And it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay. So is it going to strike it in the head? Going to strike it in the arms and chest, in the torso and thighs, in the leg. No, it's going to wait till the end and strike it on its feet. 
And look at this. It struck the image on its feet of iron and clay, and it broke it into them into pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like chaff in the summer threshing floor. It gets blown away with the wind. It doesn't exist. So whatever the gold, the silver, the bronze, the iron, the iron and clay, whatever they represent is gone at some point when this stone strikes it. And none of it is left. How many of y'all want to invest in the gold? Based on this, how many of y'all want to invest in the gold, silver, bronze, iron, gold, silver? No, dude. It's like buying sour cream, dude. Invest in your life savings in sour cream. You heard me talk about that before. You invest your life savings in sour cream, Rob, Pittsburgh, Rob. Just get rid of all your stocks. It's all about sour cream, bro. Can you imagine somebody being so foolish investing in sour cream? It rot before you even get to use it all, even with all the preservatives in it. I'm just saying, it, it, it's a stupid investment. And that's what he's saying about this. So whatever this represents, it's not a wise investment. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain, and it filled the whole earth. Y'all can picture what this is, but he's going to give us specific directions and specific knowledge on what this is. So look at 36 to 45. This was a dream. Hey, Nebuchadnezzar, this is a dream. Sean, this is a dream. Now, you believe me? I get Who could come up with that? Could the wise men or anybody come up with that dream? Dude, in their wildest imagination, they couldn't get those details. So when he got all those details right for Nebuchadnezzar, what do you think Nebuchadnezzar felt like? Yeah, dude, <laughs> this is crazy <laughs> that you would get all these details correct. So I'm going to listen now to your interpretation, not the ones my politicians gave me. So Daniel says, this is a dream. Go back one. <laughs> this, is, this is the dream. Now we're going to tell the king the interpretation. You, O king, king of Babylon, you to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, and the might, and the glory, and into whose hands he has given whatever, wherever they dwell, the children of men the beasts of the field, the birds of heaven, making you ruler over of them. He said, you with Babylon, you are the kingdom of gold. You're the head of gold. So from this point on, you are the most powerful, the greatest empire, greatest emperor of all times at this point. But I want to make it clear, Scott, where'd you get that from? Where'd you get all that power? Where'd you get that might? Where'd you get those resources? Where did you get... The ability to sleep and not look like you're sleeping, man. Where did you get that? That was army. But everything else was from God. Yeah, dude, it's from God. Look at how Daniel, he's talking to, Daniel is some slave. He's now talking to the king and telling him God's perspective. You got all this from God Almighty, my friend. And here it is. Couldn't you speak so bold for God? Especially when he puts you around important people. Man, maybe that's why he puts you in front of important people, or at least what the world considers important. So he said, man, you're the head of gold. That's your kingdom. Another kingdom inferior to yours shall rise after you. So who was the ones who took over Babylon? Who conquered Babylon? It, it, it originally was the Medes and Persians. So here you got the two arms of silver, Medo-Persia, Medo Medes and Persians. But then what happened to the Medes? They got swallowed up by the Persians and became one. So you remember you went from the head of gold 
to the arms and the chest of silver. So you went from Babylon to now the Medes and Persians. That's the next kingdom, and that became the Persia. And you can read about that later in the book of Daniel. They were a great kingdom. And so there they were. And then a third kingdom, who conquered the Persians, y'all? Who's that? Greece with Alexander the Great. Yeah. The, and, and, and so when Alexander the Great was in charge, how many leaders did Greece have? One. That's the, that's the, the, the abs, if you will, of bronze. Um, and, and then, but what does he say? The bronze is going to go from the, the torso down into two thighs. What happened to Alexander the Great's kingdom, y'all? It's split. It's split into two. You can go look it up in history. And God predicted this many years ahead, and we've been watching it fall into place. Who conquered the Greeks, y'all? The Romans. Look at this. A third, uh, go back, uh, a third kingdom, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. In fact, in fact, I'll never forget, I saw a picture and I read the inscription. Don't know if it's true, but Alexander the Great was crying one time. And they were like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And he said, there's nothing left to conquer. And his life was over. And that's what this says. You'll rule over all the earth in this. So then he says, there's a fourth kingdom, strong as iron. That's Rome. Nobody disagrees on that. They conquered, they conquered Greece. And he says, that's those legs of iron. They ruled with an iron fist. There should be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters anything that tries to rebel against it. And like iron that crushes, it will break and crush all of these, and Rome conquered everything. And again, there's two legs because there were two sides of the kingdom in that. Hey, what happened to Rome? Who conquered Rome? No one did. And in fact, morally, if you look at the morality of Rome, I say God conquered Rome because homosexuality was widely accepted, even to the point where little boys and little girls became homosexual slaves to whoever emperors. One of the emperors, Nero, actually even pretended to be a woman so that he could hook up with some guy. The stories about Rome's morality is horrendous. But economically, check this out. Anybody know economically how Rome went down economically? Two things. They overspent and they had to keep printing money. Go look it up. They overspent. They didn't have budgets. They overspent, overspent. And you know what was the second thing? I was reading this just recently. And again, there's probably more, but they had an influx that they couldn't handle of foreigners that kept coming into Rome and taxing all of what they had. Everything of what they had, the more people that came in and invaded Rome, not in a military way, but came to live in Rome, taxed everything. Kind of like New York City right now. You know what I'm saying? Two things took Rome down in economically like that. And I'm sure there's more, but those are two I recently read about in there. Only thing we learn from history, folks, we don't learn. The, the, yeah. I, but again, America is not my hope. I am so grateful I am here because this is one of the few places I could be preaching this right now. For now. <laughs> but man, we got to learn from history. And America's not our savior. Christ is. And I want you to see what's getting ready to happen. Everything, if, if Rome went down, Persia went down, Greece went down, all of those went down. America's not even in that list, y'all. That's not where your faith and trust come. It comes from putting it in Christ. 
So there shall be a fourth kingdom strong as iron because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And like iron crushes, it shall break and crush all these. And as you saw the feet and toes, partly potter's clay, partly iron, there's more, they're there, but they don't adhere to each other. It shall be a divided kingdom. This might be where America's at, y'all. So, so let me ask you a question. How far are we? Are, are we past Babylon? Are we past Medo-Persia? Are we past Persia? Are we past Greece? Are we past Rome? Or are y'all going to go hang out with some Romans today? You go to a Roman restaurant, that's Pizza Hut. No, I'm just joking, but <laughs> yeah, Olive Garden, maybe, I don't know. But, uh, but, but literally, how many of y'all are Romans? You're like, no, dude, we're Polacks, we're Italians, we're whatever, different. You know, no, there's no Romans left. So where are we in the history of civilization? Where do we know we're at? Are we past Rome? I don't even know if we have the feet or not yet, but I know that we're down there. So how much of human civilization is gone and how much is left? And why should we get excited when we see the chaos? Because it's wedding bells, because we know that the world's got to be in chaos for Christ to take us up and the Antichrist to take charge. So the more you see, look up, your redemption draws nigh. This is more important than your football game. This is more important than your events. This is more important than anything to pay attention to this. Because this is your redemption, man. So he said, you saw the feet of toes, partly potter's clay, partly of iron. It shall be a divided kingdom, but some of the firmness of the iron is in it. Just as you saw iron mixed with soft clay and the toes and the feet were partly iron, partly clay. So the kingdom shall be uh, partly strong, partly brittle. What does that sound like? And don't say you're home. I'm just saying. But sit literally. Does that not sound? You know, why can't the world? So, so I told you before, we got Hezbollah coming from the north. We've got uh, maybe we've got Afghanistan with the Taliban coming from coming from whatever direction that is. That would, but uh, the east, you know, we got uh, all these. Why can't the world get together and form one big conglomerate thing that lasts forever? Is it because they lack the power? They can't adhere. Everybody has different goals. Everybody wants different things. Everybody wants more power than what they've got. So as long as they can't agree on the power and the goals and what they want, they're never going to adhere together, even though they would have the ability to pull it all together. Don't let that be said about you and your family. As for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. Make sure that's your goal. Make that where you always go back to. What was that song you just sang a minute ago? The battle belongs to God. Battle's not with flesh and blood. The battle belongs to God. And so again, don't be like these world kingdoms. They've got this power, this power, but they are never going to come together in a permanent way because they can't agree on what the goal is. As believers, we know the goal is to glorify God and to become more like Him. We know the goal. So these kingdoms will be partly strong, partly brittle. And as you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix one with another in marriage, but they will not. They're going to make treaties together. They're going to make pacts together. They're going to make deals. They're going to make deals that the other people making the deals don't know about. They're going to make all these different. Doesn't that sound like what just happened with our speaker of the house? No, we're firing this dude. He made a deal with the other guys that didn't tell us about it. And, blah, blah. and these guys made a deal here and these guys. That's what they're going to make deals, secret deals. So they will mix with one another, but they will not hold together. Just as iron doesn't mix with clay, so we don't have to worry about them winning. 
And in those days of those kings, listen to this, when you see the world all coming together, everybody making deals, everybody trying to bring this one world government together, the one world economy, the one when they're all trying to make their own selfish deals. In those days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. Nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It's eternal. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it will stand forever. Amen? How many of y'all are part of that kingdom? So don't sell out to the other kingdom. Anything we invest in the other kingdom is gone. It's going away. Invest in his kingdom. Seek first. That's what Jesus preached over and over again. Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything you need will be added unto you. Don't worry about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, where you're going to live. Those are all the things of people that don't have me worry about. Matthew chapter 6. But you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everything you need will be added unto you, including what you got to eat, what you got to wear, where you're going to live. He'll take care of all of that. It shall break in pieces all the kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. And just, last verse we'll look at today, and just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, again, Marley, who cut it if a human hand didn't cut it? God cut it. That's Christ. And that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. Verse 45b, a great God, a great God has made known to the king what shall be after this? The dream is certain and the interpretation is true. That's why I can preach this with confidence. That's why I can tell you based on every... I can look at the world from God's perspective. I can look at history from God's perspective. I can look at the future from God's perspective because it is certain and the interpretation is true. There is going to be a kingdom that's going to last forever. Christ is going to crush everything in this kingdom. So whatever you got to do in this kingdom, make sure it is for the purpose of his kingdom. And make sure you're always investing everything. Why did God give you your job? Why does God give you your business? Why does God give you your relationship? Why did God give you, give you a wife, Skylar? Why did he give you a husband, Emily? Every bit of it is for his glory and for y'all to become more like him. That's the purpose, man. He, it's all about his kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything you need will be added to you. I could read the rest. I'm not going to right now, but bottom line is, oh, let's, let's look at it super quick. You, you're already, like, hungry, and I hear your stomachs. Listen. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, paid homage to Daniel. Woo! The king commanded that an offering, an incense, be offered up to him. Go next slide real quick. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, and revealer of mysteries. You have been able to reveal the mystery. He said it's Daniel's God. Who, whose God didn't he say it was? His. He had a real encounter with a real God and never took him. Say, well, maybe what about later? No, you know what happens in a couple more chapters? You know what he did with the great big statue? What did he do with the statue? He actually made one. And when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't bow down, what did he do? Threw them in the fire. And then they walked in the fire and said, God, if you don't deliver us, we're burned up and we'll be with you if you do. That's cool. Someone like the Son of Man was walking with them in the fire. King Nebuchadnezzar, whoa, get him out of there. I need to talk to him. Your God is awesome. But he didn't give his life to him then. 
And then you know what God did to Nebuchadnezzar? Check this out. Later in the book of Daniel, he made him crawl around like an animal and live like an animal, grazing his nails, his hair. He was the first dreadlock Rastafarian, for real, rubbing that, you know, and, and out there. And he was like an animal for seven years, this king of kings, an animal crawling around. And when he finally came out of it, he still did not surrender everything he knew about himself to everything he knew about God. And unless there are facts about his life that aren't revealed in the book of Daniel, he's burning in hell right now because he rejected a real encounter with the living God. Again, may that never be said about us. Let's bow our heads and pray. <clears throat> Father, I pray that there's somebody here that needs to get out of Adam's family and get onto this winning team Father, I pray that uh, you would give them a desire they can't refuse to surrender everything they know about themselves, everything they know about you, to just say, God, I believe what your word says, and you are going to win. And I don't know how much time I have. I, I just know you'll have a desire now, and I just want to surrender myself to you. Father, I pray if there's someone like that, they would do that today. <clears throat> they will never be sorry that that's what they did. And Father, um, I pray that for those of us that are believers, Father, that when we see things like what's going on now, instead of it freaking us out of how crazy this world is going, how people don't even know what gender they are. And Father, it's just crazy to go over all these things and how everybody's attacking Israel. Father, in Haiti, how there's going to be a little war there right now. Father, everywhere we turn, there's chaos in this world. And if this world is our home and it's our hope, Father, it gets discouraging. Help us to love and pray for the people involved. Help us to pray for the leadership to see life from your perspective. Help us to pray for their souls. But help us, Father, instead of getting discouraged, to hear wedding bells, to know that our redemption's drawing nigh. Help us to get excited when things are firing up in Israel. Not only just to pray for them, but to know that you are moving in this world. This is what your word says has to happen in order for you to come back. And Father, if you came back right now, every single one of us would be pretty stoked. We wouldn't really care about lunch. We wouldn't care about what we got next. We wouldn't care about anything except the fact that we are now home with you. So help us look forward to that. Help us keep our eyes on heaven. Keep our eyes on eternity and be soul conscious that while there's time, if we see people in the family of Adam, we can invite them to switch families and be in the family of Christ. We love you and can't wait to be with you. Father, I pray this is an encouragement to everyone to know that the world calls us losers, but we know we're winners. In their ignorance, they think they're winners. But through your word, we know they're the ultimate losers. Help us to be able to share that perspective with them in love. And your Holy Spirit, take it and change them and make them born again. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.